Take a look behind the curtain with a real whistleblower and American patriot. Prepare to embrace the uncomfortable truth because this program has no time for comforting lies. Here is civil liberties enthusiast, Second Amendment defender, and recovering FBI agent, Kyle Serafin. Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to the Kyle Serafin Show. Today is Tuesday. It is January the 9th, and we are rolling live on rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin. That's where you can find the live show. That's where you can find the live chat. I've already seen you guys going nuts as we got started. We're going to bring it today. We're going to bring it with some Ronald Reagan wisdom. And the wisdom is it's not that liberals don't know anything. It's what they know is not so. So that should be worth listening to because that was a long time ago and it's still the case. And we've got plenty of evidence of that even today. I used to always wonder why in the world it was that uh, conservative talk show type people, that newscasters, that the talking faces and heads and stuff like that were always saying the same thing forever and ever and ever. It's because nobody is either listening or the other side just keeps doing the same. I guess if you're commenting on the same thing over and over again, it might start sounding pretty similar. So that's one of the things we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about guns, which is my favorite. We're going to be talking about radio personalities, which is interesting. We're going to be talking about a little uh, little piece that got done because in the meta universe that I live in, which is that uh, I can watch myself living through the news, I actually was covered in a news story, which is kind of fun. We're going to talk about the definition of what a straw man is and why we keep hearing it. I looked at the uh, the Google Trends just for, for, for giggles, and the Google Trends for the word straw man really kicked up in the 1950s, and then it's slowly kind of been like amping its way up into our, uh, our time frame now where it is just regularly talked about. But I think we got a lot of stuff to cover down on. We're going to have a good time with it, and we're also going to start off with a quick thank you over to my friends at Catholic Vote, who underwrite this program. There they are right there, catholicvote.org, catholicvote.org. You can go and you can hit the green button on the top right-hand side. If you're watching on our Rumble channel, you see what it looks like. That is the website behind you. It's a good-looking website. You can hit the green and make a donation if you'd like to keep supporting our show in a financial way. If you'd like to be educated and informed and get information that they put out there in the world, then I would recommend you sign up for The Loop. It's very easy. You can see it right there in the center of the page. Email address, zip code, loop me in. You will get the best one-minute read, of which we are going to cover at least one topic. Specifically, probably our first topic is coming from today's loop. You'll only know what's in there if you sign up yourself. It doesn't matter if you're Catholic. You will still get good information. And if you're not Catholic, as I talked to a gentleman last night, he said, uh, we're slowly working on it. We're trying to get everybody there. <laughs> I don't do it actively. We do it by example. So uh, check out CatholicVote.org if you guys want to support the program. They are supporting us. Let's get into it, shall we? Let's get rowdy. So number one, the Biden administration um, is living in sort of this fantasy world where they are constantly echoed the same things that they want to hear. And why is that? I've said it multiple times that when you take people who are dependent on the federal government, my experience in government was, even though it was a, a, theoretically a law enforcement agency, which we've sort of debunked, but even if it was a law enforcement agency, the majority of those employees are non-law enforcement personnel. And that means that they vote this way. Coming directly from Daily Caller today, federal employees' political donations largely went to Biden and other Democrats in 2023. This is almost always the case, folks. This is almost always the way that it works. I'm going to go ahead and quote the, uh, the article here. Over 60% of political donations to prominent political committees made by employees of the federal government's 15 cabinet-level departments flowed to President Biden and other Democrats in 2023. They filtered the results shows that the individuals listed their employer as one of 15 cabinet-level agencies, and they also donated to the Biden campaign, the Biden Victory Fund. Uh, some people gave to the Trump campaign. Some people gave to the Save America PAC, et cetera, et cetera. They kind of filtered it out. We're talking about essentially almost $200,000 in campaign financing done by federal employees sent to the Democratic Congressional Committee campaign and Democratic Senatorial uh, Campaign Committee between January and November of last year. There was a little bit less than half of that went over to Donald Trump and the Republicans and the Republican National Committee and so on, 116,000. So they didn't filter for everything. They didn't filter for all of the possibilities, but it shows overwhelmingly that there's a pretty much an aggressive, a 60% margin in favor of Democrats in federal employment. And that's not surprising. And a lot of the jobs numbers that we're seeing, the creation of jobs that happen, 
in this economy. We heard about uh, what what Janet Yellen telling us the other day, like, oh, people are out there starting businesses. It's the people that got kicked out of federal service. But a lot of the job creations are fake, and they are, in fact, federal jobs, which means that the the burden of federal employees is being spread across less and less backs in the private sector. In my time, this is one of the things that I had a conversation with with the guys at Reuters. And in my lifetime, I was born in 1981. What we realized was the population of this, this country has doubled. And there's a couple of things that have not doubled. We haven't doubled the number of cops in the country. So that's interesting. In fact, when I was a kid, what we used to see was that uh, cops used to be doubled up. You guys remember that? If you watch back, if you go back even to the 90s and watch any movies, watch any television, what you'll see is pretty stunning compared to what you'd expect today. You'll see doubled up police officers who arrive on a call, one person watching, one person talking. It's pretty standard. It was always the way it was when I was a kid. If somebody came and brought home your kid who was in trouble, which they used to actually do, and maybe they would just leave it up to the parents thinking there might be discipline. Instead of parents waiting for the state to be the, the disciplinarian because they were bad parents. We're going to cover a little bit of that later on, too. But when uh, w- when we talked about that, it was like, yeah, of course, it was doubled up. That's what the second seat is for. One person's riding shotgun. You would never do that. But they don't have time to do that anymore. And that's part of the reasons why some of the issues that we have is because we haven't had cops training in the same way. It's an interesting conversation with someone who's probably on the political left. I didn't ask him, but his questions indicated that. And uh, we, so we sat down for like 90 minutes the other day, me and this guy from Reuters. And we're talking about it. And I'm like, even in your lifetime, you've watched the population of the United States double. He was older than me. It's doubled. And we have more and more people in federal jobs. I guess we have more people working in private industry too, but the percentage is still going dramatically towards more and more federal employees. And they lean aggressively towards the political left. Why? Because they are dependent on the federal jobs program, which is the federal government, to pay their salaries. So of course they think the federal government is the reason uh, and and is the right way to spend our money. It's also very inefficient. The other thing that we've seen a lot of this is, is that there's an incredible explosion of administrative jobs in uh, in otherwise like sort of agencies and, and uh, industries where you don't need a lot of administration. Historically, you had very few people that were in the administration of, uh, of education. Why? Because education was a product. The product was teachers would deliver education. So we've actually grown the amount of spending that we have per student but we've lessened or kept pretty constant the amount of money that we pay per teacher. And that's not very good. This actually ends up being the exact opposite of what the political left hopes it would be. It's a foolish way to think about things, but they basically are looking at the most first order consequences, which is that people have jobs, people need jobs, now they're getting paid. But what they don't look about is where that money comes from and what it does to the rest of the economy. And so with single and first order thinking like this, that's what we end up with. We end up with, Really, really bad spirals that get worse and worse outcomes, and the people who think that they are making the right decisions are, in fact, voting against their own interests, which is kind of funny. Um, My wife used to tell me this because she she had a pretty liberal bend growing up and came out of New York and Brooklyn and whatnot and uh, grew up in – uh, an academic environment where she was on the political left, came through, uh, you know, a very sort of sensitive – and and feelings and compassion-based industry. She's a mental health counselor, so there's a lot of that. And they all think that people who are on the political right are voting against their own interests because they're not voting for more subsidies. They're not voting for more government assistance. They're not gov- voting for more government monies to come their way. That's just not the way that people who are conservative, lowercase c, are thinking about the world. And interestingly enough, that's actually the most hopeful way to be. Because if you're voting for lower taxes on the rich, I'm going to put the rich in scare quotes here. If you're voting for lower taxes on the rich, what you're voting for is that you think that one day you will also have more money than you do right now. That's an American position. It's very hopeful. If you're voting for uh, you know, less government subsidies, it means that you think that you're going to be able to do things on your own and that you don't want to be carrying other people's burdens because you have sort of a sense of autonomy, a sense of agency that means you're going to be pushing forward on your own. Why wouldn't you? It's kind of interesting. There's another story that popped up. I had somebody uh, hit it up to me on uh, on Twitter, and I wanted to share it with you as well. It's a story about illegal aliens. And what's fun for me, because we're going to actually talk about uh, Gen Zers and the complaints that they have about their economy. And, you know, like I said, I think they vote the wrong way because I don't think they understand the first and second order and third order consequences of said decisions. But most interestingly to me, this country is, in fact, a country of immigrants. 
I think we can actually say that. Almost everybody, whenever I find somebody that says, like, I can trace my family lineage back 16 generations, and they got here before Plymouth Rock. It's like, okay, cool. Uh, I can't, and nor can many of the other people that I know that are really good Americans. Most of the people that I met in the military couldn't experience that. They came here, they believed in America, and they served America. So that's not a bad thing. But the reason why it used to work, the reason why we have pictures of like Ellis Island, the reason why we have these sort of iconic ideas is that there didn't used to be a social safety net to the point where if you showed up, you got stuff. And I know this is a drum that Ben Shapiro has beaten over and over again. I used to listen to him say that. And it's like he was 100% correct when he used to say um, that you're not guaranteed success. You're just guaranteed a shot at the journey. Most people who came to America got crushed by the opportunity, by what they attempted to do. And the goal was, is that as you got crushed, that you were able to slowly lift up the next generation so that they were one or two more steps on the ladder when they got going. And then they got crushed. Everybody got crushed. There was only a small number of people that are going to have the kind of elite money. That's okay. The idea in America is that we didn't have fixed political classes and that you could travel between those classes. Families were always rising and falling in the tide of America. But that only exists if we're not all also carrying everybody else's crap. If we're not carrying, like if you're carrying your own ruck and you want to go fast and get ahead, then you do so. But if you're carrying your ruck and then if you start getting faster, they give you another ruck. This is something that used to happen when I was in the military. <laughs> like If you were a stud, you usually had to pay for it uh, and good on them. Because that's what we want in a group of people that actually has to operate as a union, as a team, a small unit that makes sense. Even in a community, that makes sense. But it doesn't make sense on a nationwide basis. The wider you spread it out, the less we're able to articulate who, in fact, we are helping. And then we're helping everybody. We're helping nobody. And it seems pretty true. Like I said, we're going to talk about Gen Z. I've got a, a young lady who's going to yell at you for a little bit, which is actually very amusing for me. So I hope you'll, you'll bear with me and you'll... Um, You'll tolerate said things. Let's talk about this little interesting piece here. I talked about immigrants on purpose. Here's a little interesting story. And this comes from a, uh, a USCBP report. Okay. It says, according to the FBI, this is according to federal background checks. So it's actually probably the most useful and functional part of the FBI when we think about it. The sort of uh, folks that are in West Virginia that are doing analytical counting and telling us, you know, what's happening with the... Um, um, the number of crimes and, and they're, they're transmitting interstate warrants and all kinds of other things that we actually don't have a real problem with the FBI doing. They're not running down after fake domestic terrorists, so that's pretty good. Illegal aliens tried nearly 48,000 times to purchase firearms in the past 25 years. Now, now let's first consider this because the, the story is actually much more shocking when you get deeper into it. But on its face, in 25 years, approximately like, like 2,000 uh, attempts per year, that's actually pretty small. That means that when people come here, they sort of realize that they don't have an opportunity to buy firearms. And in theory, if we were actually truly a conservative nation that didn't that wanted to apply like the constitutional benefits to everybody who gets on the soil, then we would be like, yeah, they can of course they can buy guns. Why would they not be able to if they have money? The problem is is that one, they're here illegally because we have a system that looks like that. And then number two, which means they're already criminals, right? Like they're already criminals. They've already broken a law. So yes, of course they can't do it. But the second thing is is that we've also sort of set up this this idea that they're going to get all this public assistance that they're going to be sort of given fake legal status, and then they're confused when they don't actually have full legal status. I think there's actually a fun, there's a fun argument to be made here against uh, the sort of liberal left and the uh, and the leftist left, if you will, the progressive left. And it's going to relate to what Ronald Reagan says, which is, of course, the name of today's show. I think that there is a worthy, just pointing out the hypocrisy of it, that if you think someone should be able to come here illegally... And you think that that person should be able to come here illegally and possibly even vote since they're, quote unquote, paying taxes. I hear this uh, argument made fairly frequently. They're paying taxes in this country. So why would they not have a say in how the tax dollars in the country that they're illegally in get spent? That's interesting. Why would they not have firearms rights? I mean, if they have money and they have people that are trying to mess with them, isn't that what our country is about? Aren't we are we sort of about that people should be able to defend themselves as conservatives? I mean, it's just so, it's so funny that if you go, look, I don't think people should break the law. I don't think people should come into our country after they've broken the law and they shouldn't have any access to any of the things that go on in our country once that happens. Okay, fine. Like, that's pretty consistent. That is logically consistent. I can follow where you are going. But what I can't figure out is how we are dealing with this goofy, 
um, leftist brain that says everybody should be able to come in. There should be no laws. The border is basically nonsensical and everybody here is looking for asylum. But those people who are seeking asylum that are scared for their very lives from their government or from transnational organized crime or whatever, they should be entitled to come to this country. And when they do so, the only thing that we don't want them to have, they can get driver's licenses and they can get jobs and they can go and maybe vote. All these things are all sort of political causes. Nobody is illegal unless they want to buy a gun. Then they got a problem. Let me read you where I think is actually the most sort of shocking part, which you're seeing up here on the screen as well. If you've been reading along, uh, I'll skip right to it. But again, 47,000 plus attempts by illegal aliens to purchase firearms at gun shops, specifically in 25 years, according to this border group that's monitoring it. Uh, that's not most shocking to me. What is, is it says, according to Customs and Border Protection, CBP, this is the people that actually do the searches. If you've ever come in from an international flight or if you ever come in through a land border, these are the people in the blue uniforms that are going to ask you if you have anything to declare and look at your paperwork and give you the stamp and all that. They said there were 574,000 seizures, there's a little bit more than that, of illegal weapons, including ammunition, gun parts, scopes, silencers, body armor in 2023. And the and the the... 2022 number um, was equally, equally sort of offensive in 2020, rather in the year before, sorry, 2021 uh, was 595, 2023 was 547. And then in 2022, according to them was 1.15 million. I don't know why there's such a double discrepancy in 2022. We must've had a pretty big walk-in. Maybe they were checking less people. Like, that's a pretty big data anomaly if you look at it, but that's a huge number. And so let's talk about this. Ammunition, okay, they can't bring in ammunition. Weapons, they're not allowed to possess a weapon when they come into this country. That seems reasonable. Gun parts, depending on the parts, yeah, of course. Scopes, eh, I've never cared about a scope. Silencers is interesting, which we normally call suppressors, but they're called silencers in the legal ease. We can talk about silencers or suppressors as being sort of interchangeable. The idea that you'd have some sort of suppression device, which are felonies. And theoretically, if you come in and you commit a felony that any one of you or me might commit and we would find ourselves behind bars for 10 years, how in the hell are they coming into this country? Are those people all turned away? It'd be interesting to learn the, the backstory on this. This is a single data point, but it doesn't tell us everything. And what I wish it said is what happened to these folks once they got here. Did they get to continue on their merry way or were they turned back and said, hey, uh, we let people come into this country illegally. But what we don't do is let you come in here with a silencer or a scope or a body armor or whatever it is that they're talking about. It's very interesting. Like I said, the liberal left, they are nothing if not inconsistent. And that's pretty fun. It's pretty weird. And uh, speaking of inconsistencies, let me do a quick sponsor read. And then what we'll do is we're going to talk about one of my favorite people who's been inconsistent over the last couple of years, who has really lost his ever-loving mind, Howard Stern. Um, kind of a fun story broke about him. We'll talk a little bit about that. Let's do a, uh, a quick thanks over to my buddies over at Patriot Coolers. PatriotCoolers.com, at Patriot Coolers on social media. You guys can find their products. You can find um, their website at PatriotCoolers.com. You can use the promo code KYLE, which is K-Y-L-E. That'll get you 10% off. You can see right there. This is a company that loves America, that actually puts the word Patriot right on the website and right on their products. And all their stuff is pretty patriotic looking, uh, just like this one right here. You can actually see it if you if you look very closely. The ghost letters that say Patriot right here on the handle of my 19-ounce tumbler. This is the good one. This one will actually fit in the uh, cup holder of your truck or your minivan. It will not fall out. It's written, there's the name right there, Patriot. And they have 13 bars on uh, the cup. And then if you're so inclined, you could also deck it out with some suspendables uh, icons. I know GOB is in the chat. And you guys can find those. We'll talk about the dash dispendables in a second here, but you guys can go to patriotcoolers.com and check out either their hard coolers, their soft coolers, their backpacks. They've got hats and gear and stuff like that as well. But the uh, the cups, these things are as good as anybody else. They are much better looking in some ways than the uh, than the Yeti types because you're not a Yeti and you're not a lifetime and you're not a Bubba cup, whatever the heck that is. Maybe you are a Bubba, but you're also probably a Patriot. So check out Patriot Coolers. Use promo code Kyle, K-Y-L-E, 10% off and free shipping if you spend more than 50 bucks, which, you know, if you're going to do what I do, I hate paying money for shipping, so I would rather spend the money on a product. I'd rather buy more things and get the free shipping. That's probably why people do this stuff. In any case, let's talk about uh, Howard Stern. So here's a, something kind of interesting about Howard Stern. Everybody refers to him as a shock jock. Have you guys uh, have you guys heard that term, Howard Stern, shock jock? 
Like, is he? Is he really shocking? Is there anything that Howard Stern does right now that is shocking or has done shocking in a very, very long time? I don't think so. I think he's he's like kind of a disgusting, kind of detestable human being about the stuff he says. But theoretically, he does it for, you know, what used to be for the click, you know, for the listens, for the ratings. Now it's for the clicks. And interestingly enough, this story is coming straight out of the uh, the outkick. Pretty funny. Howard Stern. In 2024, we are now approximately four years away from the first outbreaks of COVID in this country, has finally gotten COVID, and he has retreated back to his basement, where he's basically been for the last four years. He came out like a groundhog. He checked out all of the, uh, he checked out all the surrounding areas. He inhaled once, got COVID, and now he's scared again, and he's running back. So... He's a self-described terrified of COVID individual. He's one of these people, a germaphobe who just didn't get it. He's one of those guys that bought the hype. And there's a couple of things that broke these minds, right? The, the things that broke the Howard Stern's minds types, what do they do? They had a break with Donald Trump being elected because God forbid, I thought he might've been one of those guys that was going to move across the country or move across the uh, country lines rather and go live in Canada, but he didn't. And he's also terrified of COVID. He bought the hype. And that's always interesting to me when someone basically tells me that they can't look at data in real time and make a good decision about whether or not it's legit or not. Imagine having all the money that Howard Stern does and then basically just hiding. Here's the other really funny thing about the Howard Stern situation, which I just I can't get away from. If you're Howard Stern and you are theoretically a he says, I'm I'm. A woke MFR is one of the quotes about him. He's on Team Woke, 100%. The thing that is so strange about Howard Stern is the only way he can live in his little basement bunker with all the money that he has, and I believe he lives in New York, the only way that he can do that is by stepping on the backs and taking advantage of the poor people who have to deliver his food, who have to go out into the world and, you know, grow the food and harvest the food and put the food on a truck and drive the truck across the country and bring it to some store and have some other delivery guy come and pick it up from the store and come into his house and knock on the door and leave it into the special little compartment that he has that has an airlock or whatever other crazy crap he has. Every single thing that allows Howard Stern to exist is because other people are willing to be in danger of the thing that he is deathly afraid of. And he can't look at the obvious logic that, look, well, like everybody else is running around in the world. And they're able to facilitate my stupid lifestyle. They're able to make sure that I'm alive. And I can't see that that means that I probably will be okay too. He can't actually look at the overwhelming logic, which is that he's still alive because other people in the world are still alive. The world is okay. It continued to go on. And so now he's going to basically hide back in his basement. There's something really, really pretty amazing about that. Um, <laughs> he's got covid Despite having all the shots, I'm sure, right? That was one of the things he, he said. And so now he's going to have to sit there in his basement bunker, living like a leech on the other people. That's exactly correct. Uh, Bill T in the chat just said he's a leech, and that is a great way of saying it. He is leeching off the others, but he's got the money. He's paying them. It's a fair you know, commercial transaction. If you want to be a weird recluse and live in your house, so be it. But he's able to do that simply because of, like I said, people who are willing to face down the dangers. And then he's going to have to deal with the problem with is that he still got COVID despite the shots like everybody else, and he didn't die like everybody else who did or did not get the shots. Tack Penis throwing a quick little rumble rant in here. Coward Stearns. Make it trend. That's very good. That's good stuff. Sometimes you guys just have it. That's it. Coward Stearns. I very much like that. If you want to put that somewhere on social media, I will 100% boost your signal there. I just love it. He said, uh, I want to announce something. Here's Howard Stern's announcement. I just want to announce something. COVID is really bad. You do not want COVID. OF. Um, yeah, nobody is sympathetic for this guy because he's an a-hole. If you're an a-hole, people laugh at you when things happen to you that are bad. It's not a good way to be. It's not a Christian way to be. We should probably pity him. It's the right answer. Because imagine being so scared. I, I can't even fathom it. I cannot fathom being so scared that I stayed in my house like there was a zombie apocalypse outside and then watched everybody else live life around me and think, this is fine. I'll just wait them out when you're however old Howard Stern is. He looks like a thousand. He looks like basically a walking skeleton. Um, 
people say all kinds of nasty stuff. This this OutKick article is actually really funny. So if you guys want to go and have a little bit of uh, palate cleansing, if you want to have just kind of a moment where you can kind of laugh about it, this guy calls him a simp, and he said it's time to go back into long town. This is how it ends. He said this is this is a great pretty pretty good comparison. Today's Howard Stern is what happens when years of fear and indignation take over an already neurotic figure. He's Stephen King with a microphone. He's Keith Oberman with a wife and slightly less care uh, case of psychosis. And now he's headed back to the basement. It's time to go back into lockdown, Howard Stern said. Coward Stern said. I'm just emerging and now I'm going into lockdown again. Uh what a sad, what a sad life. If they all did this, by the way, that's but what Biden did in 2020 when he was running against uh Trump. They all did this. They saw something. They panicked. They tried to move forward this narrative, and a bunch of us didn't buy it. A bunch of us couldn't buy it. So it is what it is. It's a it's a, it's a sad moment. Let's kind of take a little uh, breath and and let's see what we think about this little scenario. Let's let's here's some here's some reflections from our former president, and I think it is always true. It's true just like this, like it was the day he said it. But seriously, what are we doing to those we seek to help? Not too long ago, a judge called me here in Los Angeles. He told me that a young woman who'd come before him for a divorce. She had six children, was pregnant with her seventh. Under his questioning, she revealed her husband was a laborer earning $250 a month. She wanted the divorce to get an $80 raise. She's eligible for $330 a month in the Aid to Dependent Children program. She got the idea from two women in her neighborhood who'd already done that very thing. Yet any time you and I question the schemes of the do-gooders, we're denounced as being against their humanitarian goals. They say we're always against things, we're never for anything. Well, the trouble with our liberal friends is not that they're ignorant. It's just that they know so much that isn't so. Now, they just know so much that isn't so. The things that they are convinced of, the things that they know to be true, are obviously not true, and their life is evidence of it. What a terrible thing. You heard the story, and, and whether that's an apocryphal story or, or a real story is irrelevant. It's a man making $250 a month, which apparently used to be enough money to live on or at least come close, so that's kind of incredible. And then the woman wants to make 80 bucks more a month, 20 bucks more a week by divorcing him. That's the way they decided to move up. They were incentivized by the federal government to destroy, you know, um, a union that they probably swore in front of God and man. That's really hard to hear. It's hard to think about it. And it's hard to imagine that we all subsidize that sort of idea because wouldn't it have been better for her to pick up a small part-time job? Would it have been better for him to find additional work, to, to develop his skill set, to know that things take time? That's sort of the American value. We're going to talk about how many people died trying to achieve the American dream as we end this thing. And I think it's also relevant to note that people came here knowing they may not be successful. Um, I, I, for some reason, I was thinking about the, the story of Rocky today and why it's like the quintessential American story. He's a bum, right? He's, he's just this guy. He's like at a meatpacking plant and he's got like, wh who is he? He's just this dude that wants to be a boxer and he thinks he's got some skill and he's not the best, but he has the biggest heart. That's kind of the story of America. That's why Americans really love the story of Rocky. It's it's plucky, it's against the odds, and it is uh, and it's where you just decide, I'm I'm going to be successful or I'm going to die trying. And Rocky basically puts it all on the line every single time to do that. That's that's kind of why. That's kind of why he's the great kind of American. Uh, icon and, and even the the franchise that followed on, even they, they did the reboot. Same ideas, honestly. Urban Kid, in uh, in the uh, thing about Adonis Creed and whatever else the, the the movies one, two, and three. They're actually really good. They're pretty moving, and I think they're good stories because they're based on the same premise, which is that one, America is a, is a country of dreams, and that people who are willing to work their fingers to the bone and try the hardest and have a skill set will be successful, and some people won't. Not everybody wins in Rocky. You know, he loses his trainer. People die of heart attacks. Bad things happen left and right. Some people succeed. Some people don't. We focus on the ones that succeed. But a lot of people have to fail, too. And that's not wrong. That's just the world. It's a fallen world. That's what it means to be in a fallen world. Very interesting to me. Uh, a couple of other things that have been kind of going on here that are continuing to be the, the story. I told you the narrative is going to be pushing. We talked about narrative yesterday. Today, we're going to be talking about the straw man. These words have meanings, and they are used appropriately. They are being used more and more. Straw man stuff is going to be basically uh, fighting against fake enemies, which is now what 
the members of the media are doing on behalf of the Democrat Party. It's pretty obvious to me that that is the case. And uh, here we go. Let's talk about this and election deniers. We're going to hear about it again. These are people who literally will do- deny the elections as long as they're the ones that lost. They are going to go after and make it like like you're crazy. So this is an opinion piece from MSNBC. We got a couple of MSNBC. I got a clip from yesterday, which I meant to give you guys, and I've got it for today. It's it's so good. It has to be played. This one says, um, with so many election deniers in Congress, who needs a mob? And the argument is, is that forget, look at this. They jumped in a day from January 6th. Did they not? They literally jumped from all the Americans that would have voted for Trump are dangerous and bad and, and, and we shouldn't have them. Like they're the threat to democracy. The democracy thing, which is also coming up later. They're the threat to democracy, but forget them. Let's just go to the people they actually elected in a democratic way. Let's talk about Congress. Like, those people are also problematic. It's it's borderline incredible. It's a pretty great picture of Trump, too, by the way, is it not? Like, sometimes you just, like, I found this fun little shot, and it was, it was in their article. It says, uh, roughly a third of the current House and Senate, 171 members in total, are election deniers, according to new research from States United. Uh, States United... <laughs> is an organization run by Joanna Lidgate, and she is a co-writer of this particular op-ed, and it is also co-written by Norman Eisen, who was the impeachment counsel to the House Judiciary Committee going after Donald Trump. So obviously, they're not willing to slant themselves in any way, shape, or form. And the most amusing thing is, is they're pushing this this uh, U.S. versus itself, the Civil War narrative. You're hearing Civil War stuff cop- pop up a lot. And I was trying to figure out why... Democrats would want to be able to make that one of the topics that trends. And my guess is, is because they're going to have to run on race relations again. This failed idea that white supremacy is so prevalent. We're going to cover that in a minute. And and so maybe that's what's going on here. They want to bring back the idea that uh, some people, some people are still white supremacists in this country. And that's why you must vote Democrat. That's why you must vote for, quote unquote, democracy. And in doing so, they basically say, but also we have all these people who are Democratic elected and that's bad democracy. Democracy is only when you vote for us. So this is the actual piece. It says when we talk about threats to democracy this election year, there it is again. Former President Trump gets the most attention for good reason. He's declared himself above the law. They have a hyperlink to that, which is nonsense, and promises to abuse power if he wins his second term. Of course, taking him out of context, so why not? Um, The most misunderstood threat actually comes from Congress. You remember the People's House that Nancy Pelosi declared? The group that are actually representing the probably the smallest number of people in federal government? When you think about your elected representatives, we elect a president, right? We elect a senator or two, but one at a time. And we elect our congressperson. Our congressperson, of all those people, has the smallest district, which is your district, which are the people that live around you. Those are the people that are actually the threat to democracy because um, they are inside the very building where democracy came under attack three years ago. Scores of election deniers still holding power, which is what they would like to do. That's why there is an overwhelming attempt to remove these people from the ballot. That's what we talked about the other day. They, they're literally trying to get these people off because they're scared of the idea of, of democracy, despite the fact that they preach democracy. And that's fairly stunning. Um, they're taking aim at Elise Stefanik, who's from New York, because she did a, a, a uh, an interview with Meet the Press, which is a terrible, terrible show. She said she has concerns about the J6 hostages, which is about damn time. It'd be about damn time that somebody says, now we can still have a nuanced take on what happened on January 6th, and we should. Some people belong in jail because they were jerks, as long as the people who were jerks in 2020 got the same treatment, as long as they were equally investigated. Then I think we can get behind it. I think we would actually have no problems. And in fact, if these people were investigated the way that they should be, if they were investigated in uh, and, and then charged in superior court and faced with like, hey, you broke a window at the Capitol. By the way, this guy like raped two people uh, last night and broke into an apartment and, and stabbed some toddler. We'd be like, nah, we don't really have time for the uh, the election. But like, just plea out, please. Please. Plea out. $2,000. Fix the damn window. Don't do it again for 20, 20 days and you're good to go. But instead, we have this really, really fun. I think I have a poll here that uh, will show you what was going on with this. Here it is. This is actually in the piece. There is a live poll. There's now almost 10,000 votes, and the votes are pretty amusing. This is a live poll from MSNBC. They are asking their readership, which is basically me and then a bunch of leftists. And here it is. Look at this. How fragile do you think U.S. democracy is right now? Um, I don't want to blow your minds, but I said not fragile at all because I don't think we have a U.S. democracy. Um, I'm in the extreme minority. 
and I have a strong view apparently. That's very funny. But if you look, you just basically like you move the needle and you see where you're at. And the results are on the bottom right hand side of the screen right now. 82% of people that were polled that read MSNBC think that our democracy is very fragile. I just want that to sit for a second. 83, 82% of people. 11% of people have a moderate view that it's like neither fragile nor not fragile. And only 7% of people are on the right-hand side that just is like, yeah, it's not fragile because we don't have a democracy. We don't have that. We have a representative republic. And apparently that democracy that they're so scared of is something that they have to fight by non-democratically removing people from the ballot. It makes my head hurt. I mean, it, it, actually, it, it actually blows my mind. They don't know what the words mean. They don't understand that even with their tyranny of the majority ideas, the idea that we would have a straight democracy where we would be 50% plus one, those don't even work out for their end goals. They can't. How would they? Uh, and, and they can never articulate why that would be. And if it is their goal that the people should just vote for who they want and whoever is the, the closest to win, why are they so scared that maybe half this country plus one actually likes Donald Trump more? <laughs> is that not the funniest part of it all? Is that not the most ridiculous part, honestly? As you sit there and listen, you just go, okay, uh, yeah, got it, democracy, okay, sure, uh, and very, very bad. Um, but what if everybody in the area wants that? How are you going to put a filter on democracy? Are you against democracy, my lib leftist friends? Here it is. You ready? It's one more time. But seriously, what are we doing to those we seek to help? Not too long ago, a judge called me here in Los Angeles. He told me that a young woman who'd come before him for a divorce. She had six children, was pregnant with her seventh. Under his questioning, she revealed her husband was a laborer earning $250 a month. She wanted the divorce to get an $80 raise. She's eligible for $330 a month in the Aid to Dependent Children program. She got the idea from two women in her neighborhood who'd already done that very thing. Yet any time you and I question the schemes of the do-gooders, we're denounced as being against their humanitarian goals. They say we're always against things, we're never for anything. Well, the trouble with our liberal friends is not that they're ignorant. It's just that they know so much that isn't so. They just know so much that isn't so. And what they know is, is that we cannot allow democracy to be democracy and allow the possibility that people democratically would like Donald Trump more. It hurts. It hurts my brain. It hurts my brain thinking about it. Not nearly as much as this next clip. I have another clip here, which will be kind of fun. But uh, like I said, the if it wasn't for double standards, they say that, uh, you know, that people on the political left wouldn't have standards at all. It's just that they I don't. I don't think they even know what it is they are saying. The, the things that they know are not true. We don't have a democracy. And if we did, they don't like democracy. So even if you were to accept their premise, it no longer makes any sense to them. And that's kind of fun. Um, there's another story, which I think I have up here, which we'll, we'll play a, a clip from just a second. But this is this is coming from uh, Stephen Collinson. Stephen Collinson is the best. He's over at CNN. If you guys don't read Stephen Collinson, you're missing out on, uh, you know, basically wanting to vomit every morning. This is pretty funny. Trump's immunity appeal sends a stark message about his plans for a possible second term. Okay, remember, this is the party of democracy talking here, right? Like, these people love democracy, don't they? So, what is going on here? They are concerned that Donald Trump will again try to stretch the powers of the presidency, which is something that leftists do every single time they do. They rule by the pen and the phone, right? They want to do by executive order. They want to go around Congress if Congress won't act. And now they're worried that Donald Trump is involved in a high-stakes court gambit that, if successful, would place him and anyone elected to president above the law. They're sort of fine with you being above the law if you're president. Obama could be above the law, and that would be great. They would love it. Biden's a little bit more troubling because he doesn't know where he is. But if he did know where he was, it would be great. They'd be fine with it. But Donald Trump is a major problem, given that the 45th president's off-stated beliefs that he had near omnipotent powers when he was in office. I never once heard him say that, by the way. And that he might be still entitled to them. That's also pretty an incredible claim. No fact checks on this, by the way. No hyperlinks. The history-making spectacle about to unfold is not that surprising. The forewarner for the GOP's nomination said he will be in the Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia and he's going to his argues are going to argue that he had absolute immunity from prosecution for his federal election interference case 2020. Now, what they are actually arguing is that when you're a federal employee and you're working in the scope of your job, this is standard qualified immunity stuff. If you are working within the scope of your job, then you are covered under the scope of your job and you cannot be prosecuted. That seems like almost common sense. The idea that they want to change that is specifically because they are dealing with Donald Trump and they are terrified that a Donald Trump 
will be democratically elected again. Maybe again, again, right? On Monday, he made similar claims of immunity in Georgia while he's trying to dismiss state-level criminal charges against him, which stems from his efforts to subvert the election in a swing state. Here's the real problem. If, if we believe that uh, the federal government is the most powerful, which leftists love, they absolutely love it. By the way, the picture they show of him is him and Nixon, which is quite funny. They, if they believe that the federal government is the ultimate authority, that it does have the supremacy clause, which rules out that anything you do as a member of the federal government that is scoped under your job is absolutely not prosecutable underneath state law. That's the way that it works. Let me just tell you about how qualified immunity was briefed to us when we were federal agents, because theoretically you could run afoul of all kinds of state laws as an FBI agent, as a Secret Service agent, as a U.S. Marshal, DEA, ATF, you name it. You work for DOJ. You're a federal agent. You don't go get a permit in any state that you're assigned. You don't do it. You don't have to. You can, I guess, but I don't know anybody that did. Add on top of that, you also are not required to obey state laws when it comes to things that are part of your duties and your jobs. You're not a state peace officer, and yet you can take people's freedom. How do you do that? Because of the supremacy clause, the, the federal law, the law of the land that is above the state laws in this case, that's the way that it's read. You're able to do whatever you need to do. Carry a gun, lock somebody up, even though you're not a police officer, even though you don't have peace officer status in that state. Many people do not. And my buddies who are in the chat can, can attest to it. That theoretically can go wrong. In fact, there was actually a video trending yesterday, which is an old video of an FBI agent who was investigating a guy in Florida for public corruption. He looked like a doofus because he was old and he was doing weird things. But he goes out there and he gets arrested by the local police officers. Those local police officers were probably involved in the corruption. That's probably not good for them. And that guy was vindicated, even though he's an FBI agent and you don't have to like FBI agents in general. He was doing what I used to do. He just did it in a weird way and didn't know how to uh, articulate himself. He was acting strange, and so the local police officer took him into custody. But that's not something that we have to worry about. That guy will be vindicated. Whatever whatever charges he faced locally will be kicked away. What happens is, is DOJ comes in, adopts those charges as federal charges, and then dismisses them under qualified immunity. That's what should happen normally in a constitutional republic where we actually believe that the principles of this country stand. But they don't want to do that. They want to pick and choose the way that it gets implemented, and that's very problematic. They also want to pick and choose the facts. The facts cannot be uh, consistent or regular. They cannot maintain the uh, the standard. They have to have this narrative. I got to play this. I was going to play this yesterday. This is one of the funniest clips that I've seen. I want you to watch the face of Michael Fanone. I want you to watch his face, and you tell me if he's trying to either not vomit or not start laughing. Uh, here we go. This is what we missed out on yesterday is Michael Fanone, former D.C. Metropolitan Police Officer, Courage for America Council Member, and author of Hold the Line, The Insurrection and One Cop's Battle for America's Soul. Officer Fanone, I'm going to try to get through this. Um, thank you for what you did three years ago today. Um, please tell me your thoughts um, on this third anniversary. Um, we are uh, still in the midst of the, the same fight that began uh, on January 6th, 2021. Um, and we have a lot at, at stake in this country. Uh, and I think that it deserves every American's attention. It deserves every American's attention, this fight for the soul of this nation. Uh, that, that's actually a couple years ago's talking points. If you don't recall, that was actually what Joe Biden was into. Uh, pretty weird. But I was really curious. I couldn't help it. I wanted to know, who is this guy, this Jonathan Capehart? So I did. You're welcome. Um, here he is. <laughs> he's on. He's a writer. for. Uh, he's an editor over at Washington Post. This is like a double whammy. So you work for MSNBC, and you have this show there, and then also... You write for WAPO or you're an associate editor there. And then I was like, this guy is crying about something that is not emotional. Is he just, is he effeminate? Is he gay? Like, what's his deal? And of course, he's married to a man. And then I found something very interesting. His, um, his so-called marriage was performed by former United States Attorney Eric Holder. So totally, totally like a good source of information. This is not a partisan guy that is not politically connected. Can you imagine getting the, the former attorney general to come in and do your civil union or whatever the heck it is? Just... Knowing that, you can now go out there and watch that clip with a little bit more information. That's why he's crying, I guess. I don't know. Like, I, when I grew up, even some of the gay guys would, like, 
be guys. This guy is the opposite of that. So it's really sad and really weird. But it tells us what's going on. It explains to us a little bit about how this country works. And uh, man, ain't that something. Let's talk about uh, how bad this can go. So we should uh, we should probably do a little quick thank you to my buddies over at Four Patriots. You never know how sideways this thing could get. It could get real, real weird. Check out 4patriots.com, the number 4patriots.com slash Kyle. That's the promo code K-Y-L-E. It'll save you a couple of bucks on these different packages. I threw some cool um, graphics up there. They've got all kinds of neat products. And so I just wanted to show you a couple of them that are out. They've got a uh, Liberty Radio, which is a hand wind crank radio. When I was a kid, that was always a thing that you always wanted to make sure you had. That's sort of like you can wind it up and it'll actually hold charge. And then you can listen to the AM formats. In fact, every single disaster movie I've ever seen, they always had one of these things. Kind of neat. You could throw batteries in. That's cool. Different types of batteries. Gives you different options because you never know what you can scavenge. These ones have carabiners on them. So you can throw them on a backpack or whatever. But you can also like wind them up and like hear the world coming to an end, which is kind of what people would do with these emergency radios. You just get like whatever that AM band is saying that the zombies are inbound. Uh, this is how you do it. You guys go to 4Patriots, the number 4Patriots dot com slash Kyle or for patriots.com. You can click through any one of their links, use promo code Kyle to let them know that we sent you. And then they've got a little power supply. Look, comms are a really big deal in any emergency. Anybody knows it. If you don't know what's going on around you. In fact, we had some pretty wild windstorms here in Texas yesterday, and it was getting kind of funky. And it's like, Hey man, we better turn on either the radio. We don't do TV here, uh, flip on the internet or check out our phones. And if you don't have power for those things, you're going to be in bad shape. So check out some of the options they have for continuity of power for continuity of comms in God knows what is coming in the next, eh, let's call it 18 months, because I think in January, about a year from now, we should have a pretty good idea how spicy things could get. Check out 4patriots.com slash Kyle. All right, so <laughs> what, a weird, what a weird thing. So we know that democracy is fragile. We know that Trump could be president for life, so that's really scary. And what are the real things that are happening in the world? Like I said, they're finding out that that um, hundreds of thousands of people are trying to smuggle guns and body armor and stuff into this country. How about some other stuff that's going on? And this one kind of bothers me. I don't know why this is not being covered in a much bigger way. It does seem like it's something that we are not going to forget here on the political right. How about Anthony Fauci? This is coming from Just the News, John Solomon's outfit, uh, written by Madeline Hubbard. And it says Fauci is likely to, to be asked these 10 questions during a two-day conscribed interview that's happening this week. They're transcribing an interview with Fauci, who was the top uh, doctor at the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. We kind of forget what it was. He retired in 2022. And these are some of the questions that they wanted asked. I put up number four because I think it's really relevant, but let me hit a couple of them. Um, Gain-of-function research. Were you aware of it? Did you push the theory that uh, COVID origin happened in nature and not from a lab leak. These are all really important questions because they go to the government lying to us. And we should be actually pushing for that information. When did you first find out that members of the intelligence community, including the FBI and energy, thought COVID was likely originating in China and also that it had a lab leak? Here's the number one that I threw up there because I know this whistleblower. Could you elaborate more on whistleblower allegations that you visited the CIA headquarters and potentially influenced the agency's COVID origins investigation? That should be really problematic. And, uh, and I haven't heard enough about this guy, this whistleblower that came forward and shared that there was basically an incentivization program for analysts to, to say things that they knew or believed to be false. Um, then they want to know something. Apparently, there's a backside, which I did not know this. This is worth knowing that there's the VAERS. Many of us have heard of the VAERS thing. In fact, we probably never heard of it if you weren't kind of like on the vaccine train and paying attention to the RFK Jr. types. But there's a vaccine website that's called VAERS. It's Vaccine Adverse Events Reporting System. And VAERS is basically self-reported and medical professionals go in and do some stuff like that. Apparently, there's this quote-unquote secret back end to it that only the regulators of that report can access. I did not know that. And uh, this was actually news to me, and I want to know how big it is. And so that's one of the questions that uh, Madeline Hubbard's asking here. I think that's very important. How big is it, and what does the government know, and what are they not sharing about the the negative events that are happening with the COVID vaccine shots? Big deal. Uh, how much did you weigh in on Operation War Speed? That's kind of like a meh. Uh, did you know that the COVID task force, you know, how, how did you happen to be someone who who went between Trump's administration and the Biden administration? How did he get on Trump's? I guess he probably conned his way on there because he'd been there long enough. And of course, Biden found out that he was on team, whatever that is, team lockdown and tyranny. Uh, anyway, how much did they weigh in on school closures, lockdowns, similar things? What was your advice specifically? Did they want to kind of peg him down on potential lies, potential perjury because he says certain things that probably are not true. Definitely was covering himself, it looked like. And then uh, why do you support vaccine mandates for employment and education? This is a question that we cannot let go. We can't let it go. We cannot let go that they destroyed many of you out there who listen to this program. 
Many of you had your lives absolutely turned upside down by stupid junk non-science about masks, about shots that were never likely to work, that were being demanded of you in an illegal way, especially if you were in the military. Those were unlawful orders, especially if you were in law, if you were in a, um, in a, a civil service job. You know how I know that the federal government knew it was crap when they did it? Because they withdrew their lawsuits. So they didn't get Supreme Court decisions. And the Supreme Court, like a bunch of chumps, decided that they were going to basically allow the government to escape free on this and say they didn't have any more standing because the point is moot. Like the government withdrew its mandates, despite the fact that it destroyed lives. Thousands and thousands of employees just in my own agency from the FBI got destroyed. They were outed as so-called conservatives, people who wouldn't get with the program. That is unacceptable. We cannot live in a world where that's the case. But if we do, what we're going to see, I think, what we're going to see is what's going on in places like Canada, where they just run over roughshod the rule of law. I saw this video. I wanted to share it with you. It's not strictly speaking related to what we're dealing with in our country, but I think that Canada oftentimes is the harbinger of what the political left would like to bring us. Check this one out where this cop, I mean, shame on him. If you think cops are going to line up with you, I like to think they would too. There's a reason why we believe in the last line, but those people have to believe in themselves too. The last line, whether it be blue, red, or green, those are our, our military, our law enforcement, our first responders. A lot of them are not going to line up. They're going to do what this guy did. Check this video out. Ms. Freeland, how come the IRDC is not a terrorist group? Why is your government supporting Islamo-Nazi? You're under arrest for assault. You're under arrest for assault. Police. Police, you're under arrest for assault. How am I under arrest? You bumped into me. You pushed into me. You bumped, I was just scrubbing. I got my credentials here and you just bumped into me. So excuse Police, me. Police, you're under arrest What is your name in your badge? What is your name in your badge? You've been told you're under arrest. Why am I under arrest? He blocked my way. I was just scrumming Christian Freeland. I'm a police officer. You're under arrest. What is your name in your badge? I'm assaulting a police officer. How is that possible? Okay. Because you assaulted me three years ago when blackface You mean I was asking questions aggressively? No, no, your actions we're almost pushing everybody over. All right, here it goes. Lincoln, you got this on video, right? He's saying I'm pushing people over. That's, that, that's an absolute falsehood. There were, there were feet were shuffling. So now it appeared that way. That's what you're saying, officer? Well, it appeared that was pushing I people. Well, I, wasn't, I, I didn't touch a single person. That was a little bit aggressive for what was happening. Get that. You got it. Got, you're under arrest. Please okay. take the microphone out of my face. Well, oh, I, I'd, like a, I'd like to. So you know they don't have the courage of their convictions because they're still talking to this guy and they're trying to de-escalate or whatever the hell it is they're doing right there. But they, they are claiming anytime you see a cop basically fall back on police, you're under arrest. Look, you either say it or you don't say it. You either put somebody in cuffs or you don't. But they do is they they drag him away. And then later on, if you watch this video, you guys can go to Rebel News and check it out yourself. They they uh, they grab him and they twist his arms. This guy's not like he's just standing there trying to figure out what the hell's going on, holding on to his microphone. You know, should if he's under arrest and if it's legitimate, then you probably are resisting. But at the same time, like shame on these guys. Like there's 10 of them. There's 10 of them to stop one reporter asking a question that was a little bit uncomfortable. And for me, that's what tyranny is going to look like. That's what they want. They want to be able to shut down speech that doesn't play fair with them. They'll do it through censorship. They'll do it through police means if they can get it. And uh, like I said, that's why Fauci can't be left off, left off the hook. We cannot let the guy off the hook because he was one of the people that basically empowered and enabled a bunch of teddy, petty tyrants like that. It's kind of a teddy bear too, but <laughs> petty tyrants who, who just were looking to flex those authorities. You gave me some authorities that I didn't previously had. Game on. They're going to go after it. Really gross stuff. And, uh, and all of that sort of leads to... Why, I, I guess, because you can't run on record. You have to run on some fantasy world. So here we go. This is Joe Biden's thing. He just was in the uh, the church where, um, where what was that guy's name? Uh, Dylan, Dylan Roof shot the church members. And he's, he's courting critical black voters in South Carolina while decreeing, decrying white supremacy. There's a couple of really weird pictures of him. He looks uh, confused as usual, maybe coked up or whatever it is. Whatever the, the cocktail is, he looks, it's the rage cocktail and not the loving cocktail. He's courting black voters that he needs to win for a re-election. Biden says that uh, he denounces the poison of white supremacy in America at the site of the deadliest racist church shooting in South Carolina, saying that the ideology has no place in America, not today, not tomorrow, or ever. Does anyone Is anyone arguing in favor of white supremacy? Like, um, Is that a position that they think that they can? This is called the straw man, folks. 
This is what it looks like. It's like, uh, you know, he said white supremacy is a poison that has too long haunted this nation. This is, there's no place in America. And you're going, okay, dude. Yeah, we know. Because we lived through the Thanks 80s and the 90s the and the early 2000s. Shows, like, are you nuts? Nobody's out there arguing on, be, on behalf of it. Your friends Kyle used Twitter, to, true social and Instagram but nobody else. Kyle nobody is saying this. I love it when he says, so let me be clear, because that's always like the thing I, I despise the most. Here's, here's com- something coming in that nobody's going to d- debate him on. So let me be clear, for those who don't seem to know, slavery was the cause of the Civil War. There's no negotiation about that. That's the straw man set up by who? Oh, Nikki Haley. Ain't that something? We talked about how Nikki Haley is kind of the Trojan horse to sneak some of these ideas. And isn't that interesting that she's the one right there? I don't know, man. It's bizarre. It's bizarre to listen to it. It's so strange to think that they would be making that argument and somehow they think that is compelling. But Joe Biden uh, doesn't, you know, if he's not fighting straw, man, what is he fighting? Probably nothing. He can't do it. So let me uh, let me pull up a straw man. Here it is. This is what the straw man looks like, folks. Right. Intentionally misrepresenting the position that is set up because it's easier to defeat than the opponent's real position. That's what's going on here. It's a fake, soft, nonsensical, cartoony type argument against something that's not real. Nobody's actually making the argument that white supremacy is the way to go. And so, if you're going to beat up the straw man, you might as well have a straw man do it, right? Joe Biden seems pretty straw. I mean, his he's one of those, uh, if he only had a brain types, I think that would have fallen to the rotting bag of oatmeal thing that uh, Dan Bongino always says. So straw man fighting a straw man seems like a fair fight. It's just also pretty sad to watch. And it's sad that that's where our country is. And what it leads to is a lot of frustration and fury because he's getting people whipped up and angry about things that are not real. And that's sad. It's not cool to watch for me. And it leads to poor women like this Man, uh, this this gal looks. I mean, I'm. I actually feel for this girl because her life sounds like it's rough. But also, I almost guarantee you that she bets for open borders, or she votes for him, and she votes for more and more stupid government assistance, which just drives her further down. We'll talk about the uh, the sort of the second order consequences. Here's this Gen Zer yelling at you. I assume, I assume uh, grownups because uh, you have it too easy. You had it too easy. Twenty years ago, things were way easier. Obviously. I guess she doesn't know that 9-11 happened then and things were pretty bizarre. So here we go. Let's uh, Gen Z yelling at everybody. I cannot stand how the news has been dogging Gen Z and calling them lazy for not wanting to work a nine to five for the rest of their lives. Let me put it in perspective for everybody who's a little confused here, okay? I work five days out of the week, 40 hours a week, okay? I do not make enough to live on my own. I would not make enough to pay rent, water, electric, and eat all by myself. I would not be capable of doing that. 20 years ago when you were getting started, you could live on your own. 20 years ago when you first started, you were able to do everything that I am now struggling to do. Let me add another perspective here. You've been working for 20 years. You have 20 years of working experience behind your belt. You have 20 years of experience in a career that has allowed you to gain raises, to get more money, to profit you in an economy that you created. You can sit here and you can call Gen Z lazy all you want, but I've been working my tail end off just to barely make it by. And respectfully, I don't want to do that for the rest of my life. I don't want to work my tail end off, wasting all of my life working just to barely be able to pay my bills. And that is what you created, not Gen Z. We're just here getting started. You've been doing it for the last 20 years. You tell me how it got ruined. We can sit here and we can call Gen Z lazy all you want, but you let the economy turn into what it did. You let it all run to hell. And now it's Gen Z's fault because we don't want to work to fix your mistakes. It's your fault, guys. I just threw up a little bit of America for you to take a look at. Maybe you guys know about this kind of stuff. These are people living in tenement houses. These are people laying the railroads. These are people working in the streets in uh, Utah, on frontier towns. <laughs> These are the people that built this country. You think that they would love to just not have to bust their asses as they died swinging a hammer in the middle of nowhere and then were buried in the ditch as they uh, rolled over and progress kept going? Is that possible? I'm just saying, I think a lot of people would love not to work 40 hours a week. None of these people uh, were working 40 hours a week for what it's worth. They were probably working 80 hours a week. And a lot of them died a lot younger. Some of them died at her age. They died at her age because uh, there was no other opportunity. They were building the opportunity. And now she's crying while she's sitting in a car that I assume that she's making payments on, which is probably outside of her pay range. She should be on the bus if she wanted to. I used to ride a bus sometimes. Uh, I rode a motorcycle that cost me $400. 
and I made six figures because I had no money. I was making six figures as like a 25-year-old kid being a moron, but I had I was in debt and I didn't have anything. And so I was like, the cheapest thing that I could do to get me to work, sometimes it was the bus, sometimes I walked, sometimes I took that crappy old motorcycle when it ran. And that's what I did. And so what? Yeah, 40 hours a week. I was working 60 or 80 at that time because I got paid overtime, number one, and number two, because that's what you do when you're young. But that's what we've kind of, we've we've failed at a generation. I, I don't have any kids in that age bracket, but if they think that they should be able to just be handed it and 40 hours a week is too much for them to do it, the goal is, is to work 80 or 100 when you're younger. And then maybe you'll get to do 40 hours a week when you're older. I work more than 40 right now and I work for me. It's just me. Half the stuff I do is for free because I love this country and I don't want it to fail. So, Anyway, it's interesting that these people are out there. But what's also interesting is she's probably voting. Let me just put it this way. I cannot way. stand how... <laughs> Sorry, I caught that off guard. She, uh, she probably votes for a Joe Biden type, right? Open borders who drive down the, wa- the wages, who are going to put more pressure on living costs, including when the federal government gets involved in it. Ooh, that's complicated. We're talking about second and third order effects now. The things that she think are good, like everybody is a person and nobody is illegal, suddenly is going to result in now my housing costs more than I can afford. And the criminals are going to be doing certain things. That is, means that when I make a, a phone call, I'm not going to get the police to help me out. In the meantime, she's crying about wearing a Walmart vest. Maybe get some skill sets, honey. Or more importantly, maybe we go back to the way things used to be, which is that you find somebody... And the two of you actually reduce the number of people in the workforce. This is what my wife and I actually did. So I'm not preaching to a choir that doesn't exist. I know what this looks like. My wife has a master's degree in a professional field that cost us a five-figure amount of money. We paid for it. That's fine. She doesn't work in that field anymore. She handles our children, which is the most important thing she could be doing. She's homeschooling. She's at her wits end on all days, like many of you who are mothers. You know exactly what I'm talking about. You work your asses off, and the paycheck is not monetary. But guess what? She's also not taking another job out there, which means that whatever it is that she's doing has driven incrementally up the wages because the demand is higher. Now, there's more demand because one less person is out of that workforce. That's how it used to be. In fact, Elizabeth Warren, fake Pocahontas type, actually used to know that. And in the early 2000s, wrote a book called The Two Income Trap. I highly recommend that you guys go and grab The Two Income Trap and at least read the back of it. Go read the synopsis of it. You don't need to read all of her case studies on it. What you need to know is that Elizabeth Warren used to know that women in the workplace earning a primary wage, so basically taking one job for one man who was running one family and putting a woman in, and then the two of them basically combine their incomes as double primaries gives you two points of fail. That's that's like a, that's like the V twenty two Osprey of the uh, of the job world. You remember the Osprey? It has like the two rotors, and they scare the crap out of everybody in special operations because it's got two points of fail. If one of them fails, the thing dies. It used to be that if you have one helicopter, one engine, you maintain the engine. If it doesn't fail, then you're good. Then you put two in. One of those things could fail, and then you're dead. Is at least the way I understand it, especially in the hover mode. It just flips. Killed a bunch of Marines that way. Same idea. When we have two people in the household who are 100% dependent on each other to, to meet 50% or 40 and 60 or whatever that, that, that payoff is. When you take those two people in and they both are contributing, they drive down the cost of labor. They drive up the cost of housing. Elizabeth Warren knew all this stuff. It's literally in her book. It's totally worth your time of all things. It's not great to go read Elizabeth Warren, but it's interesting to know that she's lost her damn mind the last 20 years. And she used to actually understand what was going on. Somebody said that uh, I've done everything. Yeah, my buddies always call me Wolverine because they think I've lived a bunch of lives. I've, I think I've owned like eight or ten motorcycles. I actually was one of the few FBI agents. This is just a funny aside for you. I was one of the few FBI agents who was officially assigned a motorcycle as one of my official vehicles for work. And it was a CBR 1000. <laughs> and I also had a Hayabusa at one point. And then we also had a uh, some kind of Kawasaki 1400. Um, yeah, I've had motorcycles. I love motorcycles. Uh, I also don't have one right now because I got little kids, and that's just what you do. Sometimes you got to change. Sometimes when you're young, you need to work your ass off, and then when you're older, maybe you can change things differently. Go to the library uh, if you want to go check out the uh, the two income trap. Totally worth your time. The upside, I, I wasn't going to leave you guys without a palate cleanser, so I do have you covered here. That woman who was very upset, who's wearing the Walmart vest and that kind of thing. It's not, it's not all for lost, okay? She was mad at you. She yelled at you. But the good news is, is that her dad took her under a wing. Her dad is in transportation and is giving her a shot at a different career. So we've got a little bit of footage of that. And that actually is a little bit heartwarming. So here we go. This is what it looks like. Get out of the way. Get out of the way. Get out of the way. Why are you looking at this cruise ship? 
Uh, sorry for those of you who are watching uh, or listening on our audio channel. I will cut out a big chunk of that. So, but what you missed was uh, this boat captain just decided to snug up against the dock. Um, somebody tell me this. I'm not. I'm not a mariner. I don't have a captain's license. And what I'm really curious is, is when you run your um, 200 million ton cruise ship or whatever the hell that thing was into somebody's little houseboat like that, where's the customary place? to leave the note, letting them know what you've done. I don't think there's a windshield necessarily. So do you hand it to like the guy with the ropes? Uh, do you just kind of like spray paint it on the side of the hull? What is the, what is the, the, what is the right sort of method of notifying somebody that you just ran your enormous cruise ship into somebody's smaller boat and crushed it? Anyway, uh, what you missed was very good time watching. I, I have no idea what the story was behind that other than it's just insane to watch a huge boat just hitting a pier and people running around like videoing it and a guy falls in the water at some point. Uh, super scary, super fun to watch. Just just a little bit of a, a palate cleanser. Some weird things are happening in this world and they're a lot bigger deal than with some poor girl working 40 hours a week. God forbid. Uh, we're all going to make it. We will. It'll keep going on. Uh, let me throw this up here. The merch store, speaking of keeping it going, let's keep the, uh, the suspendable sweatshop burning. Let's keep the oil in the lanterns and the children scrubbing it along let's do uh yeah so it is the-dispendables.com it's the-dispendables with an s on the end of it.com you guys can check out any of the number of things you can get some some ranger panties the ones i like actually have the badge on it i think garrett changed up he made one with black it's it's black shorts with a black badge i'm a big fan of that one but uh you can check out the patches you can check out the lapel pins i will tell you this if you wear one of those lapel pins number one the eagle is down you wear it it, lo it should look upside down to people who don't know what's going on it's an agency in distress. It's it's symbolizing what's going on in law enforcement right now. But more importantly, if you wear one of those things, people will ask you about it everywhere you go. I constantly have people eyeballing it, and they're always like, hey, you want to give me one of those pins? No. I want you to go buy one for my friend Garrett. You can go buy three of them for 30 bucks. It's a great deal. Uh, he'll ship them to you. I think the shipping is free, and you can use promo code KYLE, K-Y-L-E. That'll save you 10%. Go to the-dispendables.com and check that out. And then lastly, let's do our five-star review, which we cannot do without Here's a good one. It says Captain Crusher from December 20th. Captain Crusher is a good name with a K. It says the show five stars. Thought I'd send you another five star review because, well, I can. So there and a smiley face. Yeah. You know what, folks? If you've written us a five star review before and you want to write another one, it doesn't matter if you just loved an episode or you're just feeling froggy. Send us one. Make it funny. If you can, I have to read them out loud. I don't have to, but I choose to. So send me a good five star review if you're watching us on or if you're listening to us on Apple. Do the same thing on Spotify iHeartRadio, you tell me wherever you're at, and you can also leave comments in all of our videos. I read a bunch of them. I don't read all of them, but I try to get through most of them. Uh, that's part of what my day involves, and uh, I appreciate them. Some of them are totally wacky. Some of you guys have some real wild ideas, and some of you are very funny, and some of you are just plain angry, and I get it. We're all angry at this point in time. Let's try to go out there and understand that Gen Z is having a real tough time. Maybe we need to quietly educate them and help them out. Less TikTok. More pushing carts back in. I'm sick of trying to run over your carts, Gen Z girl. Anyway, folks, we will see you again tomorrow for the Kyle Serafin Show at 0930. Make sure you've given us a like on this video as you leave, and we will see you again tomorrow. God bless you. See you soon. Thanks for listening to the Kyle Serafin Show, streamed live weekdays on rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin. Follow Kyle on Twitter, Truth Social, and Instagram at Kyle Serafin.